This week, the comics guys discuss Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Thank you, Ben. Yes. This time, we're going to be trying out a slightly different format. Today is uh, 424, so it's the day after uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, just ended. Um, so we're going to do an episode where we uh, kind of talk about our general feelings on the show. Um, and then we're going to break down all of the different characters' comic book origins, um, all the characters who were featured in the show's char- uh, comic book origins. We want to try and get this out a little bit more timely um, instead of, like, with Scarlet Witch, putting it out five months beforehand. Right. Um, so, um, so Darren, what do you think of the show overall? I thought it was excellent. Um, my, I, I have faults with it. I have concerns, uh, you know, like about it, but I think it did everything it tried to do uh, very well. I think it hit all of the important points it needed to and got all of the big parts right. There are some little things I wish that they had done uh, a little better, but the big stuff I think it did extraordinarily well. Well, we'll definitely get into all the little things because I think that that is uh, probably going to be uh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt the same way. um, Captain America is probably my favorite superhero. Absolutely. uh, You know, I've loved all of the movie stuff pretty much um, with Winter Soldier being my favorite of the movies. Um, I think I agree with that. Yeah. I kind of felt like the first and last episodes were probably the weakest of the series, which is kind of... I don't know, not not the best thing that you want in a series. Um, but after episode one, everything was just like up. And then the, the last episode was good. It just wasn't like, I don't know, it didn't blow me away. I think my my concern, well, let's start with the big stuff first. Sure. I think what it I think it established Sam as Captain America fabulously well Absolutely. going forward. All of the, you know, it laid all of the groundwork that needed to be done for that and, to kind of get him in that Captain point. America. I think yeah. comes off as not just trying to do like a, a Chris Evans or a Steve Rogers impression by the end of it. Um, right. That was important. Uh, he still never wins a fight in this whole set in this whole show. Uh, <laughs> he loses almost every fight, just like in the comp, just like in the, in the rest of the series. Yeah. Well, he, I, okay. frankly, he does phenomenally well, considering that he's just like a dude wearing a bunch of, you know, techie gear. So absolutely. Yeah. He doesn't need to win. Like that's kind of the the, the thing. His, right. his you know, he inspires people with his speeches and stuff. Right. Well, he also he he takes out the mooks, right? Like I mean, you know, Absolutely. dude in the helicopter, he took care of that situation pretty well, and you yes. know. But yes, that you know that is a concern. Obviously, uh, I thought that getting the the entire Bucky story, uh, you know, him making amends, him you know, like dealing with all of the stuff from his past was handled fabulously well. Um, I very much enjoyed the introduction of Isaiah. Um, he's, you know, he's a, he's a really important, you know, we get to discussing him later on in the episode for this. I think he's a tremendously important character for the Marvel universe. And I thought they did, they did right by him. I hope they don't forget about him. Like, I hope that he continues showing up in the background of Captain America and then later on young Avengers. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I thought Zemo was tremendous. I thought, uh, you know, the return of Daniel Brühl as Zemo was spectacularly well handled, and he was all kinds of fun as a bad guy. Uh, And as, you know, several people kind of pointed out at the end of it, he really is the guy who wins 
in this yeah. series, right? Like he pretty much gets everything he wants, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, uh, over the course of the series. And sure, he ends up in jail, but that's just, you know, he's going to manipulate everybody in jail while he's there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everything else is all of his plans basically have succeeded from that point on, right? So, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, no, uh, he was my favorite character in the show for sure. He was, I was, I, he was great in Civil War, but I was a little disappointed that he wasn't really Zemo enough in Civil War because I'm a, I'm a big fan of you know Zemo and Thunderbolts and all that stuff. But he was mm -hmm. definitely more on the you know Baron Zemo like train this time, right? While remaining, you know, kind of like a fascinating. Uh, uh, character, right? Like him handling his, the the entire sequence where he is getting the information from the little kids with the candy, mm -hmm. I thought was fabulously well done. Was really yeah. just a, a stark representation of what it was that he was about as a character. So all of that, I loved. Um, mm -hmm. I was entertained by the um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus showing up. Uh, her her cameo was was fun. It was really kind of obvious that like they only had her for two or three hours. Yep. You know, like why is uh, why is Wyatt's uh, why why is why is Walker's uh, you know debut in the costume done in the same set that she was on before? <laughs> right? It's like you know we got to get all this done by five because Julia's got to you know she's got another show to go do. Yeah, I thought uh, Wyatt himself, his performance was fabulous as Walker. I thought Walker was done really strongly. Agreed. All that being said, the Flag Smashers didn't really make sense as a bad guy and were not that strong, you know, like an enemy. That's um, yeah. the the whole kind of like Robin Hood, uh, you know, rescuing the, there, there was a lot of talk about like how they were, you know, supported by uh, the public and the refugees and all of this stuff. That was like, that really should have been shown, not told. And it a couple times with like the, the people giving them like housing and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, every bad guy's got that, right? Like where's the, where's the yeah. international, you know, level of support. Yeah, I go train. And then on top of that, and I, and um, the actress playing uh, Carly, I thought was not, did, did not sell me on the Bart terribly well. And then Sharon's entire story was just a nightmare. It was just a mess from the, from beginning to end and I don't understand it. And I'm, you know, at this point I am kind of like reduced to hoping that she's actually a scroll <laughs> because there's no other, you know, kind of like explanation for like what's going on with this character. It was, I, I was very proud. Like, you know, I, I, I think you and I talked about this uh, somewhere around after the second episode came out when we were both like, Oh yeah, she's the power broker. That's excellent. That's going to be, that's going to be fun. And then the show made it so clearly and blatantly obvious that she was going to be the power broker that I was like, Oh, this is going to, I thought they were swerving the other direction. Me too. Right. Like we'd think it was going to be her the whole time. And then it will be revealed to be, I don't know, you know, Zemo's Butler or something will turn out to be the power broker. Uh, and, and it didn't, right? Yeah, Zemo was, you know, after himself to like, you know, prove he's not the power broker for some reason, or um, or that once Julia right, yeah, he's the she's the red the red herring that he you know dangles in front of you know Captain America or whatever dangles in front of Sam and Bucky. Yeah. But instead, you know, in the final episode, we just reveal confirm that she is in fact the power broker, which we all had kind of like figured out by this point, like it was a big reveal, and none of her plot made any sense whatsoever. Right? Like, right. why exactly is she? Why does she lead them to the scientist in the first place? Right? Like, what's the 
what's yeah. what, what's the benefit to that? That just gets one of her like important henchmen killed. Like, what's the you know what, what's happening here with this? Yeah, weird. I think part of it was I don't know if you've heard this as as well as I have for it, but there you know apparently the the original storyline for this series was going to involve the flag smashers like th- threatening to release a plague. Okay. And then that they would have like the you know they'd have the the secret vaccine for themselves, and it was kind of like decided that in the middle of COVID nineteen that was probably not a plot line that they were going to be happy with, so they kind of like scrambled to change it at the last minute. Okay. That and I wonder cool. if I wonder if she suffered the worst in in that kind of scramble. Fair. Right. Like if her character might have made sense, given a different set of like facts about what was happening. Yeah. Um, I like the general idea that Sharon Carter has, you know, per, she must have killed the previous power broker and then like, as right. Yeah. Position because otherwise the timeline doesn't really make sense with, because they say exactly the because Zemo knows the power broker or knows about to the power broker. And, you know, he's been in jail the whole time that she was a bad guy basically. So. Right. But, um, I, 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 conceptually I, I like it. It just didn't, it just doesn't flow very well together. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to accept Sharon Carter as a bad guy. I'm not willing to accept that she's a dumb bad guy. Right. <laughs> you know, that's just she's she's already been we've spent too much time kind of like establishing what a great agent she was. Right. You know. So, uh the the fact that her, you know, plots don't seem to make a great deal of sense. And then like, you know, what uh when when she's walking out at the end, the the, the post-credit sequence when she's literally talking on a, you know, cell phone to somebody about her evil plans and everybody's like do you really think that cell phone's not being monitored on the steps of the Capitol? Hmm. <laughs> you know, right? Like, like that's that's some great operational security that you've got there, power broker. She's you're doing you're doing a, fine. She's got like a jammer or something because she's <laughs> a super villain. <laughs> um, she she's probably the character I think that was the most hurt by going back uh, a couple of years in the MCU. They were originally going to have the third Cap movie be the Serpent Society, not Civil War. Right. I think she got probably the most screwed over by that change because she got kind of sidelined after being a big part of um, Winter Soldier. She got right. entirely sidelined in in Civil in War. Civil War. Right. And that kind of like killed her her character. Right. So. Right. And, and, you know, she, so like in civil war, she's working for the CIA or something, right. Supposedly, which she then immediately betrays to help Captain America and, and Bucky, right. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, she has not exactly kind of like established any kind of like plausible, uh, you know, like, uh, success in the, in the business of being a good guy, secret agent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Like she was part of shield and then that fell apart and then she was part of the CIA and then she betrayed them. Yep. Right. So you can you can understand how she would wind up being on the other side of the law, even as, you know, like her operating in the in the shadows of Madripoor, that by itself kind of made sense. Mm-hmm. But why she is then unnecessarily villainous, like why she, you know, like melts the face of one of her henchmen and all of the other stuff is is just kind of like that seems a little bit of an extreme you know, change. That's going to be hard to kind of like redeem her as a character after that. So yeah, she did just melt that guy. Yeah, that was that was awesome. But uh... <laughs> it was it was entertaining, but it also was kind of like, okay, no, you're really a serious bad guy. This is mm-hmm. not a, uh, you know, this is not a, a a desperate good guy making the best of a bad situation. You're really enjoying this being evil business now. You know, 
So uh, I think we're talking a lot about Sharon right now. Uh, before we get into uh, individual characters, um, talking about you know uh, what other what other things did you really like or really dislike? Um, like I said, it's the getting uh, John to the point where he kind of like needed to be by the end of the series. I thought was an excellent job of kind of like economical storytelling. Mm -hmm. Right. Obviously, there's a lot more to the character that needs to be addressed and be dealt with. And he's clearly going to be an important character in the MCU going forward. Yeah. And that's that's good. And I think they did a very impressive job considering total. He's probably only on screen for two hours right yeah. out of the five hour show um, that they did a very good job kind of like describing his entire arc. Um and uh, you know, establishing who he is, where he is, why he is, what he is, right? He is very much, uh, you know, he, he's 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 America the way it really is, as opposed to you know Steve Rogers being Captain America of the America that we wish we could be, right? Yeah, yeah, like no, he's I... he's aspirational, and like you know, John Walker is unfortunately all too real, right. <laughs> you know, about like what um, what America really actually is. Which is perfect because, as we'll talk about in a little bit, that is exactly who John Walker really kind of. Yeah, is. right. Exactly. Like I said, they did a very strong job, you know, kind of like connecting him. He is the guy from the comics. He is, you know, like done very well. In general, most of the action in the series, I thought, was very was was well done, was well directed. Um, yeah. You know, the the uh, chase scenes and you know the the fight scenes. I think as a group, were were strong. Sam's um, in the end is really good. Like, yes, uh, him using his wings. Now that they're made out of vibranium, using them or vibranium, uh, using them uh, more offensively was pretty awesome. Right. Yep. The whole, the entire use of Wakanda in the series, I thought was very nice. Right. Like the, you know, when 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 Ao shows up in the first place, um, it's just kind of like it, it, it's it's filmed so perfectly of like the audience and Bucky at the same time, kind of like going like. Oh crap. <laughs> right. You know, like this just got a lot more complicated of, you know, like our, how we're going to manage Zemo through this, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Those were all pretty great. Yeah. So like I said, in general, I give it, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it probably an a minus as a series, right? There's a couple of bits I'm not, uh, I'm not thrilled with, but everything that was big and important to do, they did extremely well. All of the sequences with the boat and with the, you know, the Louisiana crew and the family and everything for it. And, and returning Bucky to a place where he can just kind of like smile and relax around people, you know, for the first time in 80 years uh, was just fabulously well done. Right. His, yeah. his whole, you know, when he's at the, the party at the end and he's got like three kids hanging off of his, off of his arm while he's, you know, drinking a beer and talking to people is just like, Oh, that is so a scene that we needed to see for him. Right. Like we yeah, needed yeah. him to get to that place. Yeah, definitely agree. Uh, Bucky was uh, Bucky's journey was great. I, 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 all the things that you've uh, sort of mentioned are things that I think are real big standouts uh, for, for the series. Um, we already talked about Zemo. I think the only thing that I kind of got brought down by, I felt like the last episode needed more time or needed its time used differently. The whole series, I think, needed more time. I think the, I think yeah. the, the, they, they definitely were sequences in it 
that felt rushed, even though this is what was five hours total, right? Over the yeah. six over the six episodes, mm-hmm. um, I still wanted it to be a couple episodes longer, or have the episodes themselves be uh, a bit longer, just to get everything done that I wanted done in it. Yeah, um, like it just John Walker. I felt needed more time to to go. And I think the last episode felt kind of weak because Zemo was one of the best parts of the of the series for me and not having Zemo in the finale, except for, for like, you know, two minutes when he cockily blows up, a blows up a car from prison. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, listening to the, listening to the radio and gloating while he's reading in, in, in the raft. Yeah. Awesome scene. But you know, being that we didn't have much uh, Zemo. In the- right. Yep. And I, do, I do I'd, think- I'd have felt worse about that if they had not chosen yesterday as the day to announce that Captain America Four is coming. Right? It's like literally that was like an excellent bit of timing on Marvel's part to make me feel better about okay, we're not going to finish everything that we wanted to finish in this episode. Right. Right. You know, like don't don't hold out hope that we're going to wrap up every storyline in the last fifty minutes. Right. right, we're telling you right now. There's a movie coming in a couple of years, and it will continue this story. I was like, okay, good. I'm glad you told me that because now I'm less frustrated with this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if this had been all I thought we were getting, I'd have been pretty upset. Yeah. Um, I was sad. The the one thing that always gets me in uh in in Marvel movies is how often they end up killing the bad guys because so that they can't come back later. Mm-hmm. But one of the great things about comics is that you. You know, they don't always kill, so you can bring characters back without having to do a complicated resurrection plot. Right. Uh, and, like, Batroc the Leaper, like, did not need to die in that scene. He could have been, you know... I mean, they maneuvered him, so he kind of had to, right? But they, they shouldn't have maneuvered it that way. Yeah, that was kind of my, like, issue. Like, I knew Carly was not was not, was not not living. Um, and then they blew up right. all, of the, uh, all of the other super soldiers. So it's just kind of like, Batroc was... But the once real- you've decided... Ugh. Yeah, once you've decided to say that Batrock has figured out who the power broker is, then immediately he's got to die. Absolutely. Right? I mean, it's yeah. he can't he can't be kicking around with that you know, with that information, or then then her character was like wasted, right? Then the whole yeah. idea of like her successfully keeping the secret during the entire series kind of meant that he needed to go. So yeah, but I agree, it's a shame. He was a lot. He was fun as a bad guy, right? Yeah, so was, you know, and he was great as the character, and uh, and every time he showed up, he was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of sad. And I think they're heading towards like sort of, I don't know. Where do you think that the John Walker plot is heading the, with the Contessa and stuff? Right. Um, I think that the, I think Contessa at this point is kind of like falling into, she's going to be a combination of the Contessa and Val Cooper, right? Okay. There's going to be a whole kind of, you know, uh, almost like a suicide squad level of like, we send him on the missions that you know we don't have enough control over Captain America, you know that we don't have enough control over Sam to 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 make him do mm-hmm. right. So he gets to kind of get in and dig into kind of like the dirty deeds of you know uh, of international you know spying and that sort of thing. I think that he will you know depending on where they decide to go with Sharon, you know if if it, I've heard rumors that Sharon will be the bad guy of the Armor Wars. Right, yeah. that she will be the uh, you know the the now that we've established that she's going to have access to tech, she'll be the one kind of like handing out you know uh, powered armor suits like they're candy to you know crazy supervillains, right? Like he would be an interesting guy to you know to be involved in that 
from the inside as opposed to the outside, right? If he becomes the government agent who does the dirty work, you know? Okay. I I had a slightly different idea because I'd heard a, uh, or I'd read a, I'd read a a rumor that um, Julia Louise Dreyfus, it was not, this was not supposed to be her first appearance. I'd read that she's supposed to show up in uh, possible spoiler. I I don't actually know. Go for it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just wanted to warn people. Sure. That she is going to show up at the end of Black Widow. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. And because those have now been shown out of order. Right. I was getting a very uh, Nick Fury putting together the Avengers sort of vibe from what she was doing. So I I almost feel like we're going towards Dark Avengers with, you know, a different, can't be the same people, obviously, because she's not Norman Osborn. But that was the feeling I got with, you know, recruiting him to be her, you know, dark captain america or dark captain america right yeah and uh that's you know, an, that's an interesting way to go with it sure yeah. and and that dark avengers can on some level i mean if you're putting zemo on that team uh you know then like the the dark avengers thunderbolts concepts can kind of like be merged together a bit right i don't know I, yeah i don't know where zemo fits if zemo gets put on that team and then betrays them or like what zemo this zemo is not much of a follower it doesn't seem like right so, well, no, that would be the thing. You put him in the, you try to make him like tactically in charge. And the first thing he does is steal the team away from you. Right. Right. <laughs> Which of course he does. That makes complete sense. Right. You know, it yep. <laughs> wanders off with a superhero team in his pocket. That's completely, you know, completely um, appropriate for the character. So yeah, that's an interesting direction. I had not heard that she was supposed to be in black widow and that's, well, we'll see. If- that's interesting for those to get, uh, you know, moved around because since black widow, you know, should have been out right. for months by now. So. Well, know if I'm right in like uh, you know a month uh, if she shows up and recruits either the other Black Widow, which would be my guess, or Taskmaster. Right. Yeah, or both. Right. Right. I think Red Guardian. Red Guardian doesn't doesn't live through that fucking through that movie, but like probably not. But I, I think, like the idea of keeping Yelena around as the new Black Widow. Yeah, I think sure. I think she definitely will will stick around, and if she's not also Taskmaster, because we still don't know who actually is playing Taskmaster. Right. Um, except for that, we know it's probably a girl, right? Um, but yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, well. that's in, that's in, that's interesting. So yeah, yeah. so it's like the you know the the first steps towards a Dark Avengers. Um, that's what I was feeling. Yeah, as I watched it. Right. And, yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'll buy that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that um we've kind of gone through our general feelings on the show at this point. Do you have anything else general or do you want to move into starting to talk? No, about- let's say we got it. There's a whole bunch of characters to talk to talk about in this series. That's, you oh, know, wow. there's a, there's, there's, there's a lot to, uh, a lot to unpack, a lot to explain if you uh, don't know who these guys are in the comics. So, yeah. So we're going to explain uh, who they are from the comics and then we'll probably talk about them again in the show and you know, where, where- yeah, well each one as we kind of run through who they are, uh, you know, we'll talk about, uh, ways that they've been portrayed differently in the MCU compared to what they are in the comics, right? Like if you, you know, have, if, if you watch one of these and say, oh, this is really great. Uh, I'm really into this character and I want to go pick up the comics that they appear in. Well, here's a couple of things you probably want to know about what's different between them, right? Like how they're different in the comics. So, so let's start, um, let's start with the earliest one chronologically. Um, right. Let's talk about the original Bucky. Absolutely. Uh, the original Bucky, uh, as 
portrayed, you know, like matches up with the MCU one reasonably closely. Um, he does appear for the first time in Captain America number one, uh, which came out in December of 1940. Uh, Captain America, you know, is created by both Captain America and Bucky, both created by uh, Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. And Captain America's origin is largely the same. It's it's uh, you know the 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 movie version uh, is very accurate to the comic version, except that Bucky is not Cap's friend. You know, uh, before all of this starts, right? Bucky is in fact a kid. Uh, he is portrayed in the comics at the time as being about twelve. Um, you would guess, kind of like from his size and from the you know the way that he acts. Uh, the Brubaker retcons suggest that he's more like 16 and just kind of like short for his, for his age. Um, Robin, though, he's, he's Robin. He's the, he's a teenage Robin is the reason that people have so many, so many superheroes have teen sidekicks, right. right? Robin was a tremendous success as a character for a couple of reasons. One, because the hero character needs somebody to talk to. Need somebody to you know show how brilliant they are and how you know smart they are when they figure some something out, right? Being a superhero fighting crime tends to be a very kind of like solitary job, and it's not that interesting to see a character who doesn't really like talk to anybody. That's why Sherlock Holmes has Watson, right? And giving Batman a teen sidekick to train, to teach, and to explain things to meant that that character could explain things to the reader. Right. It was a very kind of like popular concept and it solves a lot of writing problems for the writers. So a lot of heroes created around that time, 1939 to say 1942 or so, have teenage boy sidekicks. It was just kind of standard. You know, that's uh, mm -hmm. uh, Green Arrow's got Speedy. The Human Torch has Toro. The Wizard has Roy, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They've all got uh, they've all got teen sidekicks. Um, so to give Captain America that sort of character, uh, you know, right right from the beginning, we meet Bucky as the kind of uh, the orphaned, adopted mascot of the unit that Steve Rogers is assigned to, as you know, like Private Steve Rogers, and he just seems to be kind of hanging around the base, living on the base, kind of in the care of the army with no kind of like real legal guardianship or anything that's ever quite explained, right? He's just kind of there. Um, and that's kind of, you know, it, 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 it's almost more plausible than, than you'd like to think, right? Because uh, so much of the appeal of these teen characters to kids is you have to remember, this is a generation of young kids whose fathers or older brothers or whatever were going off to war. Right. And so there's a fantasy aspect to the idea of like my older, my, my older guardian, my whoever it is, my older brother, my father, my uncle, whatever it is, uh, is still here and I'm still fighting beside him because he's, he's doing something important for the world. Right. So like the, you, reading the 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 exploits the adventures of robin and bucky and speedy and toro or whatever were a way for like those kind of like 8 to 12 year old readers to kind of fantasize about what their their father their father figure was doing right um and so there's an awful lot of orphans there's an awful lot of like you know kids who are like the ward of somebody um because so many kids at the time were going through that because of the actual war 
right? So many kids had lost older relatives, uh, you know, even by 1940 around the world. That was just a very kind of like common uh, uh, problem, a common uh, uh, situation to be dealt with. And so fictionally, it kind of was entirely too plausible that an orphan kid from the streets or whatever would wind up basically being adopted by a military unit, right? Like that's just kind of, you know, it's legally uncertain, but it's it, it feels right from a fictional perspective. Uh, so Captain America goes off and has, you know, like his first adventures as Captain America. And at the very end of the first issue, he is in his tent changing into his uniform when young Bucky walks into his tent, you know, with like a message for him, right? Like not knowing uh, that he's secretly Captain America, discovers that he's Captain America. And Captain America says, well, now that you know my secret, I'm going to have to, you know, make you my partner. Uh, okay. You know, he's not established any kind of qualifications or anything for the job, apart from the fact that, like, you know, he accidentally saw you changing clothes. Uh, but somehow this is enough. And from that point on, Captain America has his, you know, his young sidekick, Bucky. Uh, Bucky continues to be Captain America's sidekick up into the 50s. Right, like the you know the the we'll we'll deal with the retcon version later, but like Captain America's adventures are published uh, until 1950 when the main comic gets canceled, and then there is a brief effort in the early 50s, around 52, 53, in uh, in young men's comics uh, where Stanley tries to bring back Captain America. Uh, at that point, and it's kind of a failed effort. If you listen to our Marvel history, uh, there's an entire you know kind of like thing on that where he tries to bring back the 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 timely heroes. Um, and at that point, uh, Bucky is helping. Is still a kid. He's still 12 or so. You know, uh, you know, 12 years later, and he's helping Captain America to punch out communists. You know, in the in the mid 50s. Right. So that didn't work. In the meantime you know, uh, Lee and Kirby start Marvel and they have already had a fair amount of success with a reimagined version of the human torch in the fantastic four. So very early on, uh, in, in fact, in, in Avengers number four, Stan and Jack decide to bring back captain America. Right. And this time they have the Avengers are, you know, taking a submarine, they're chasing the submariner. Uh, who you know they had just had a fight with, and Submariner had gotten away, and so they are pursuing him, you know, through the icy ocean waters. And Submariner is all honked off that uh, you know the Avengers just beat him, and he comes across a tribe uh, who are worshiping a mysterious figure in who's in like a block of ice. And he gets annoyed that the Eskimos are worshiping this mysterious, you know, like god figure in the ice instead of him, uh, and so he grabs their you know, their, their holy totem and chucks it in the ocean. Uh, and then, you know, right. pisses off again because he's still mad, <laughs> you know. Um, and that hunk of ice with Captain America in it just kind of like floats through the water. And as the water is getting warmer, the ice is starting to melt. And then the submarine with the Avengers in it comes along, you know, still chasing after Namor. And they see a guy floating in the ocean and rescue him. And of course, when they, you know, do so, they discover that this is, oh my God, this is Captain America. Right. Uh, and they eventually kind of like get his story of how at, in the fading days of World War II, he and Bucky uh, were pursuing a bad guy called Baron Zemo. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But in Baron Zemo's castle, Baron Zemo was about to launch a missile 
at England, uh, you know, from from continental Europe. So Captain America and Bucky are uh, chasing after this bomb, right? Like uh, it, that's been launched to destroy England. And uh, the, when we first see it, you know, there's there's a plane and they're chasing it in a motorcycle. And Bucky and Cap both try to leap for the plane. And uh, Bucky kind of lands in the middle of it. And Captain America kind of is falling off the back. And he's as he is falling off the back of the plane, he's telling Bucky to jump uh, because, you know, he's going to... Uh, it, it, it's too dangerous, but Bucky keeps insisting he can undo the bomb uh, and, you know, like starts pulling some wires and it explodes and Captain America falls into the ocean where he then, you know, is frozen in an iceberg. Uh, and so as far as, uh, as, as Cap is concerned, this literally just happened. Right, because when the Avengers wake him up on the submarine, you know he's he has no memory, no awareness that like time has passed. Right, so for everybody else, it's been what was at the time twenty years, but you know for Cap it was like just yesterday. And so those early stories of Captain America, Bucky is this ghost that's you know kind of like hovering over Captain America, making him you know like sad and you know. Uh, uh, affecting everything that happens to him for quite some time in the storylines. Cap goes through trying to find, uh, you know, maybe a, 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 another sidekick in Rick Jones, but he keeps rejecting him because he doesn't want to see another guy, you know, die in that role. And you have to kind of like keep in mind the context of this, right? Like, at, at, like I said, this is only 20 years originally that Captain America was frozen for that time. And so you see he would frequently run into uh like bystanders right like there would be characters in the comics he would run into who had fought in the war right and he'd like you know meet some guy in the street or you know like be dealing with a cop who would say uh oh yeah captain america you rescued me i was in the big red one in europe and you came and you know like fought some nazis and saved my life you know so uh, I, i'm so glad to like meet you and thank you right like that was still a thing that was possible to do in those early stories but uh you know the the early stories about cap he's a very kind of like melancholy sad figure with this ghost of his dead you know best friend hanging over him yeah i mean in those early stories it's like you said he just he um he just he just died for him uh, and it's not for years years that we get actual like real resolution on this but we keep seeing like you know strings of you know new sidekicks basically uh, or wannabe sidekicks kind of right but uh, Bucky uh, and, you know, it was a saying for a long time that the two characters who will never come back are uh, Bucky and Uncle Ben. Because um, those are the two characters who pretty much always stay dead. Um, except for in 2004, uh, when Ed Brubaker decided it was he had had enough of Bucky being dead. So uh, what happens with that? So uh, we learn... In those 2004, basically, it's a new Cap series had begun at that time. Um, I think that's volume five, right? It's like Captain America's fifth number one, um, in which we learn that uh, Bucky is still alive. And not only is he still alive, but he is, in fact, been frozen like Captain America um, by the Russians. The Russians were the ones who got hold of him. Uh, you know, and there was like, you know, a, awareness like the red skull knew this had happened or whatever but like he was you know right. had, had never been able to track down where the body was um and that the russians over time 
had been letting him out of suspended animation every so often to go be like a brainwashed uh, Manchurian candidate style assassin for them and had become kind of like the great assassin of the 50s to not that long ago. Right. And then he would go on his missions and he would kill somebody and then he would come back and they'd put him back in suspended animation. So he wasn't aging at the same rate that everybody else was. Um, so we learn very quickly, uh, you know, we kind of like hear these horrible stories about what he did as the Winter Soldier. Um, he kills Wolverine's wife, for example. Uh, obviously that's going to be complicated to figure out in the MCU. He probably didn't kill Howard Stark, though we're not in the end that sure, right? Like Howard Stark had already been killed and had a whole set of stories about him before this event even happened. Though pe some people have wanted to kind of like retcon that probably Winter Soldier was somehow involved with it in some way. Um, he is confirmed in the Marvel Universe to be the guy who shot JFK, right? He was with Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> when it happened. Uh, and he has this whole relationship over that time with Natasha, with the Black Widow. Um, Black Widow herself is quite different in the comics from the MCU in that she herself began her career in the 40s and has been a Russian operative, you know, for all of that time and has also had, like, she's taken the Infinity Formula and stuff. So like Nick Fury, she, her aging is like way out of whack too. And so Natasha is, in fact, by comic book time, I believe, 90 something years old, despite the fact that she, you know, still looks fabulous. So we kind of like retcon in an entire relationship uh, between Bucky and Natasha that happened sometime in the 50s or 60s. Mm -hmm. So we finally get to like this in the modern day, right? Like the, ex the existence of this guy is confirmed, like at, at the, the Red Skull has taken over the body of a Russian uh, like agent, a Russian operative, um, and is literally like, you know, living in his brain, right? right? And that Russian operative, he kind of like manipulates him into tracking down the Winter Soldier and confirming that the stories are true, that this guy is for real, and it's really Bucky. And so now the Red Skull wants to, you know, use him, right? And so he gets this Russian body that he's kind of like puppeting around um, to activate the Winter right. Soldier, okay to go after, eventually go after Captain America. Um, so the first kind of like modern target that the Winter Soldier goes after is Jack Monroe, is the right. guy who was Nomad, um, who had been one of Captain America's previous sidekicks back in the stories published in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and Jack Monroe himself had been a version of Bucky, right? Like he had been the Bucky to... Uh, the one of the previous to the William Burnside Captain America, right? And so, uh, you know, we, we will explain William Burnside at some point in the future, but there have been multiple people after Captain America, after Steve Rogers, who wore the Captain America uniform before he came back in the 60s. One of them was this nut job, Captain America in the 50s, and the nut jobs uh, assigned Bucky was this guy, Jack Monroe who himself was put in suspended animation for a while. So his first job basically under the command of the Red Skull is to kill another guy who was Bucky, right? Um, this of course gets him into conflict with Captain America. Uh, and so Captain America and the Winter Soldier fight and Captain America finally figures out who he really is. Um, and 
the Red Skull's entire plot for all of this has been uh, to get to use the, the Cosmic Cube again. Right. Captain America gets hold of the Cosmic Cube briefly and uses it to kind of fix Bucky's scrambled brain, right? To kind of like reestablish, break his um, brainwashing and bring him back to normal, which more or less works, except that when Bucky like gets his shit back together, he's horrified by all of the things that he's done. And rather than just kind of like immediately joining Captain America and apologizing, et cetera, decides he has to go off and kill the Red Skull on his own. Uh, so he kind of like flees to go take care of that before he, you know, settles anything else, right? Is to get his revenge on the Red Skull. He is still trying to do that when Captain America himself dies the most recent time that he died. Uh, and so that kind of like brings Bucky back in. He still hasn't gotten the Red Skull yet, but Tony Stark and Shield is Tony Stark is running Shield at this point. Uh, kind of, you know, talks him into replacing Steve as Captain America. And so Bucky becomes kind of like the first replacement for the dead Steve Rogers yep. in the most recent time he's been dead, because he's been dead several times. You know, it's comics, just deal with it. Uh, and so uh, Bucky becomes Captain America for a bit. Um, he joins a version of the Avengers. He gets back into a relationship with Natasha again. You know, both of them now being 90 years old, but they still look 30. So sure, why not? Um, and over the course of multiple stories, we eventually get Captain America rescued. It turns out he wasn't actually killed by that weird magic bullet. He was like lost in time. It had like, you know, kind of like sent him on this kind of weird time travel situation. And so when Cap is rescued from that... When he first comes back, he learns that Bucky has been Captain America in his absence. And he says, you know what? For a bit, this is still cool. Keep being Captain America. I'm going to secretly, as Steve Rogers, straighten out a bunch of junk in the, in the government. And I'm going to secretly take over S.H.I.E.L.D. and do a bunch of stuff. And you continue being Captain America. This is where the classic Steve costume comes from that uh, <laughs> ended up right. being the basis of yes. the self-suit costume. Right. Anyway, Steve, that that version kind of like doesn't last very long. Fairly, fairly soon, we have to get Steve back into the costume. Uh, and so he kind of like winds up taking the Captain America suit back. And with the assistance of the government, uh, uh, Bucky fakes his own death again uh, and, you know, kind of like goes back undercover and becomes the Winter Soldier again. And that's kind of the status quo right now in Marvel Comics is that Winter Soldier, uh, he is, you know, still kind of like operating more or less with government like approval on secret missions and running around, you know, like fighting bad guys that way. Uh, but according to the official public story, he's he's supposed to be dead again. So. So uh, just kind of talking about Bucky in the in the in the show. Um, He's very different than the Bucky in the comics, in at least personality-wise, um, at this point, because he's a lot more, uh, you know, Bucky in the comics is never going to get to be happy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it appears that they are going with a Bucky in the uh, TV show, at least, who is who is going to start to have character development. Bucky in the in the in the MCU seems to be healing. Yes. Yeah. So. So one thought, and I've been thinking about this in the comics for a little while. Uh, he has to get a new name at some point. He can't keep being Winter Soldier, or, and Bucky is a terrible superhero. Right. Name. Just something I've been thinking about that I can't believe they haven't, you know, 
tried to give him another another alias. I guess there was White Wolf, but that's also that's terrible. not a great name either. No, <laughs> um, Nomad is currently not being used. Fair. If you want something from like kind of the Captain America mythos as a name, fair. That would fit him very well, actually. Yeah. yeah. The, the problem with that is the Jack Monroe Nomad of the 90s was such a bad series that it did kind of poison the name, I think, for a little bit. It became very, like, associated with those, you know, kind of like 90s mullets and guns yeah. kind of series. But on the other hand, that was 20-something years ago. Like, you know, it's probably okay to, to try again at some point. Yeah, I'm not sure people even really, like, the last time I heard Nomad brought up is that they thought Captain America was going to go by that in Infinity War, and he just didn't right. because Woody. Um, he was just Steve instead. I have always been kind of sneakily fond of the nomad costume, right? It's, it's, it's not a bad design, really. It's sort of like uh, attractively ugly. (laughs) Like, like it's, it's not, I don't think it is like, I don't know. I don't think it's like a fantastic costume, but it's also kind of compelling and hard to look. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very seventies. It's a very seventies piece with the with the, the the cape attachments at the shoulder with the big uh detachable discs that he can take off and throw. Yeah. You know, is a it's it's very um it, it's kind of clunky looking, but also kind of like charming, I think, in a very seventies way. Yeah. I'm a fan of the open hair, you know, the 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 cowl that doesn't cover the hair. I think that that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, I like it yep. on Cyclops too. It kind of looks like his cow kind of looks like Cyclops's cow, honestly. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd be down for uh, Nomad would be, I hadn't even thought about that, but Nomad would be a, a fantastic, you know, superhero name if Bucky's going to. Right. I mean, we're, we're still right now, Winter Soldier is too valuable a piece of IP not to, for them not to be using it. But I agree. It's not, it's not who he is anymore. Yeah, so. It doesn't feel like he's going to keep calling himself Winter Soldier, like with his whole, you know, he's, he's finished his book. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Well, if, if we're going on what he's, they're going to call him in the MCU, I'm pretty sure they are going to going for. You think they'll keep going for um, with, which I, with Winter Soldier? No, I, th- I think it'll be White Wolf going uh, for. Okay. I think when Sam when Sam is formally, you know, yeah. like I, I would not be surprised if the title of Captain America Four Oof. is Captain America and the White Wolf. Yeah. You know, and I agree. I don't love it, but I think it's likely that that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. They made they brought it up what once in this in this series, so. Yeah. Yeah. Eh, hopefully better. Having Ao show up and call yeah. him that was kind of a big deal. Yeah. So, fair. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of the the person who uh, who calls him first, White Panther, uh, before yeah. uh, being corrected, <laughs> uh, Falcon. Uh, so yes. Falcon uh, comes around a little bit later than than uh, Bucky comes out in the uh, late sixties. So, what's Falcon right. all about? So Sam Wilson is the first. African American superhero, really in mainstream comics, right? We always talk about how Black Panther is the first black hero, right? But Sam Wilson is the first black hero born in the U.S., right? He predates Luke Cage. He predates Black Lightning. All the other ones for it. He's actually the earliest uh, American African American character, uh, and he is. Uh, he first appears in September of 1969, Captain America number 117. Uh, and so at this point, you know, Captain America has been through Rick Jones already as his kind of like second teenage sidekick. And that has, you know, ended and gone its ways. And Captain America is basically a solo act at this point. And the Red Skull, 
uh, has, uh, you know, taken over a mysterious island. It's called Exile Island. And he's got a bunch of, you know, like terrorist bad guys of various sorts uh, hanging out on this island. And he has, uh, you know, managed to kind of like maneuver uh, social worker Sam Wilson uh, into coming to his island and adopting a costumed identity, uh, you know, to, to kind of like act as, uh, uh, as, as a hero. Right. And the heroes will be called the Falcon and Falcon doesn't realize he's at this point yet that he's being manipulated by the Red Skull. He just thinks he's like trying to do a good thing. Uh, he's a social worker uh, in his background and that sort of thing. And he's trying to, you know, like save some people. He doesn't have the wings. He doesn't have any powers. He doesn't have anything other than a costume and some fighting training. Right. At this point. And Captain America uh, also winds up on Exile Island, and the Red Skull kind of like maneuvers them into a fight with each against each other. So they have you know an issue in which Captain America is fighting a guy called the Falcon. Fairly quickly, he figures out he's a good guy, and uh, the two of them kind of like partner up and chase the Red Skull off. Um, it will later be revealed that this is all a plot by the Red Skull, but at the time. Uh, you know, the the Sam Wilson becomes Captain America's, you know, like pal and goes on to be a hero based in New York City, uh, you know, assisting him every so often. There was not really kind of like an original plan that he was going to become his full time partner any more than any of the other kind of second tier heroes that were introduced in other characters, uh, you know, comics were. He was just going to be a recurring guy that Cap knew. But the issues with him. Uh, in them were so popular and sold so well that, uh, you know, fairly quickly it was made the decision that, you know, Falcon needed to show up on the regular, right? Like he needed to be here uh, uh, all the time, at which point it was kind of like pointed out, well, he's just kind of a lamer version of Captain America. He doesn't even have a shield, right? He doesn't have any powers or do anything. And so it was decided that Black Panther himself would step in and uh, assist uh, Sam in like kind of setting up his superhero outfit uh, and give him uh, like a powered wing flying suit uh, as, as part of his costume. So the advantage that Falcon had over Captain America as his partner was he could fly, which Cap couldn't, right? Like that made him useful uh, in and of itself. Falcon also had a, uh, a bird sidekick red wing in the comics is a bird not a you know mechanical device and the manipulations of the red skull wound up leaving uh uh sam with the ability to telepathically uh contact red wing he had like a psychic link with the bird and so he could call it for help he could see through his eyes like Red Wing could be like a spy for him, and then like Falcon could telepathically see what the what the bird was seeing, uh, and over time that kind of got expanded to the point where the Falcon had this kind of like telepathic power with all birds, which kind of made him like a Hawkman kind of type character. Uh, so he you know continues to be uh, you know like a Cap sidekick until basically until Jack Kirby comes back, and when Kirby comes back in the mid seventies. He has no particular attachment to Falcon as a character. And uh, he appears, Falcon appears a couple of times in the Kirby run. But for the most part, 
he's cap has been separated from this guy, right? Like uh, uh, Kirby's run of, of stories, which, you know, are kind of like the, the, the whole early Arnim Zola series and all that stuff. Cap is kind of like abroad in foreign countries working by himself. And when Kirby left, there was like uh, uh, several new writers were kind of like scrambling to replace him. And they had a kind of a run of really not very good stories after Kirby in the later 70s. And in that run, it was decided first that uh, the problem with Falcon was that he just wasn't really ethnic enough. <laughs> right like he wasn't he wasn't uh he didn't talk jive right. like black people should yeah. uh you know he was kind of too respectable with his whole like social worker job and everything and so there was this entire storyline in which it was revealed that uh sam wilson was actually secretly mobster snap wilson and snap wilson spoke jive and snapped his fingers a lot and dressed like a pimp and uh generally was just the most ridiculous racial stereotype that you could you know come across uh this was mercifully killed relatively quickly and it was retconned out of existence basically as oh this was still the red skull messing with him right like snap wilson never existed he was just a fake identity that the red skull who's basically racist himself had like put in sam's head uh which is like okay well that doesn't make a lot of sense but frankly we're all glad to see the back of that you know storyline anyway so fine whatever um sam has a stretch then where he is uh once again kind of separated from cap but he's still going in the series and he kind of gets his first chance to be the leader um when shield decides they're going to set up their own superhero team and they're going to be called the shield super agents and falcon is kind of like asked to be the leader of that team to train these like young heroes uh, to, uh, you know, to, to be superheroes, right? Um, and the heroes that they assemble for this are the Blue Streak, the Vamp, uh, the Texas Twister, and Marvel Boy, the one who will turn out to be Quasar later. Um, this team is then very quickly revealed, you know, the Falcon kind of like leads them very briefly, and it turns out that uh, both... Uh, Blue Streak and Vamp were planted uh, in the team as kind of, you know, Trojan horse types. They're actually secretly working for the villains. They work for the corporation. And we'll get to the corporation uh, when we talk about Power Broker later on. But the corporation is a, you know, like the 70s bad guys that Cap is fighting a lot. And they're fighting S.H.I.E.L.D. And they betray the super agents. And Texas Twister quits in disgust because he can't believe how inept this operation is. Uh, and Falcon is captured by the bad guys, and Marvel Boy has to uh, get Captain America to help him rescue Falcon, and a whole bunch of other stuff goes on. But basically, the S.H.I.E.L.D. super agent's idea goes away. Um, but uh, that's Falcon's kind of like first chance to kind of go off and be solo a little bit and, you know, get, get to be cool on his own. Um, Right after that, Jim Shooter makes him part of the Avengers kind of as a joke, right? Because he has a run where, like, in order for the Avengers to get their government clearance back, they have to follow government guidelines for hiring, uh, which means that they need to have equal opportunity hiring. And so he forces the Avengers to have a Black character. And when Black Panther turns the job down because he's going to be busy, they basically draft Falcon into joining the Avengers as their token black guy. 
This is uh Henry Peter Gyrich is this is the Gyrich, yeah. yeah, exactly. Gyrich is the is the uh the the liaison to the Avengers at that point. Um and this is kind of you know Jim Shooter being you know political and uh you know kind of like taking the piss from uh uh you know current uh you know pop culture discussions of tokenism. Um and quite appropriately Falcon is like, well, on the one hand, it's an honor to be an Avenger, but like I didn't I don't want to be an Avenger just because of my skin color. And so he lasts about 10 issues before he kind of like gives up and quits and says, you know what, this is dumb. I don't really belong here on this team, and I'm not terribly happy about how I got it in the first place. And so he kind of, you know, splits off of him. For the next 15 or 20 years, Falcon will continue. He will continue to have cool solo adventures every so often. He will continue to show up periodically as Cap's best friend. He remains a reserve Avenger and teams up with the Avengers, uh, you know, several times um, and, uh, you know, continues to be a, a, a background character um, up into the mid 2000s. Uh, he is, you know, like a big part of the stories when the series re is redone by Brubaker, he kind of like, you know, comes back importantly as a character. And when Steve Rogers has returned, uh, from being rescued, as we were just talking about, from from his uh, you know time travel adventures, uh, he temporarily loses his powers. His serum is like drained from his body, and he becomes the actual age he's supposed to be. Yep. Right, he is now you know ninety whatever years old, and he's an old, weak, decrepit man. And at that point, Winter Soldier is off doing other stuff, and so Cap, for the first time, formally gives the shield to Sam. Mm -hmm. And says, "Congratulations, you've got to be Captain America now." Uh, in 2014, that's the first year that that actually happens. Um, Sam acts as Captain America for a while, for several years in the comics. Steve gets his powers back eventually, and uh, for a little bit, uh, Sam as Captain America gets his own sidekick of the Falcon, who is uh, Joaquin Torres. Uh, from the uh, as, who appeared in the MCU stories, who just appeared in Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, the army guy who is helping Sam is based on the guy who became the comic book Falcon to Sam's Cap. Um, he is in fact not even an ordinary person anymore. He's been mutated by the evil Doctor Malice to be like part human, part bird. Um, and so he's got actual like bird wings and stuff, not like he's not wearing a suit. Um, and he acts as uh, Sam's sidekick basically for a while. In the most recent stories, that has all kind of once again returned to status quo. Steve is back being Captain America again. Uh, Bucky is back being Winter Soldier again. And Sam has retaken the identity of Falcon. And we haven't really seen much of Joaquin in like a year or two in the comics. I'm not sure where he exactly he is right now. I think he's on the champion. Okay. Still? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah, he, he briefly was, on, was on the there. For, I don't know if he still is there. With them. I'm not. I'm not up to date on right, champions. Okay. I'm like a year behind. Um, but that's basically yeah. Sam's story. Uh, you know, to to cover most of that. So. So that's our two main heroes. Um, next time we will uh, dig into all of the secondary and side characters. So we've got a lot more to cover. Hope you enjoyed what you heard this time. I've been Steve Tasker, and I'm Darren Watts. Have a good night. Thanks for coming.